What's up, everybody? It's time for another Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Keefe. Today's podcast is an interview with Corey from Trivium. Their new album, What the Dead Men Say, is out April 24th via Roadrunner Records. Check it out. Ghost Cult Magazine podcast welcomes in Corey of Trivium. How are you doing, man? Doing good, man. I hope... First and foremost, that everybody in the band and all your families and friends are safe from this crazy pandemic virus. Yeah, I don't, I don't know any of them. You know, personally, I don't know any of them that has it. So, um, so far, so good. Um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, luckily, uh, here in Orlando, it's, uh, it's, it seems pretty normal. Um, I'm pretty good at this whole uh, social distancing thing because when I'm at a home off tour, I barely leave the house anyway. I only go out to the, the store to get food and booze, and then I come right home. So uh, I don't really go out that much. So it's just kind of like uh, business as usual here. But uh, you know, I haven't heard of uh, any you know anything happening in Orlando. So thankfully, everyone's been uh, uh, cautious and, and kind of followed uh, the protocols of just you know, going out as least as possible. So uh, you know. Everyone's, you know, doing well and uh, just trying to get through it, you know, like everyone else, without uh, getting sick. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a interesting time because, uh, you know, pretty pretty crazy what's going on right now. So hopefully everyone's just taking precautions and uh, just doing what you need to do to get by. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully this blows over. Right, we'll all get through this together. And in the meantime, luckily, we have music to preserve us. This brand new, awesome trivium album. I've been spinning it all day and actually into last night also. Uh, what the Dead Men Say, out April 24th on Roadrunner. Man, nine albums in 15 plus years. Um, congrats, first and foremost. And, you know, secondly, uh, you guys are just crazy prolific. That's not even all your releases. Uh, yeah, um, you know, I think the, the good thing. Uh, at least the fortunate thing about bands is uh, it's not just one person that writes the songs. So it's it's like you know you don't have to like carry the burden of like delivering a record by yourself. You have like a three of us that write riffs and write music and lyrics and vocals and stuff, and it just really makes it easy to knock out a record. You know? So it's a lot of fun, and uh, we enjoy it, and we like getting in the, the jam space and, uh, and you, know, you know, creating together. So it's uh, a process that we enjoy, and, and we have a good chemistry between the, the four of us when it comes to, to writing that. It's, uh, it just happens really fast. Like, we can, you know, you know, this record and the last record, we write a song a day. So, you know, the writing process, you know, to write this record took about 10 days to, to put the, the songs together and then a couple of days of rehearsal and then in the studio and knocked it out. So it's uh, very uh, time efficient. You know, we don't want to like take a record and burn ourselves out that we're like over it by the time Right. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's a huge sounding record. And I, I wanted to kind of, you know, Josh makes these very big sounding records, but you guys have written this like very heavy, almost like a throwback record to the earliest couple of Trivium records where it's just like super brutally heavy with these giant ass choruses. Uh, and so, you know, even almost a little feels like a like a greatest hits of Trivium at this point, like on, on a new record. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we just kind of 
kind of like found our, you know, found with uh, after making all these records, and then we had records where we kind of experimented and gone in different directions and, and seeing what works and what doesn't. I think we kind of just really kind of figured it out on the uh, of the sentence, um, just kind of what we kind of like just we had like a before we sent in the sentence, like you know things like. They were just like, man, how come we haven't made a big leap, like, and kind of like where we're at? And we just kind of looked at what we've done, and we're like, well, this record really hit with people. This did really, you know, overall, um, some of the records, you know, obviously had some big singles and stuff, but the overall record just really didn't, like, maybe move the needle as much as we were hoping, that we just kind of, like, looked at our catalog and, like, what the, what the stuff that fans really kind of like are drawn to tribute for and we kind of just like look at our material and it's like well we really seem like this and this is kind of like a very natural thing for us to play and easy for us to write you know it's like a very natural thing not forced or like have to try too hard to be able to kind of like find the sound that when we did the sin of the sentence we're just like let's just you know just write some metal ass shit and just like have fun with it like we used to back in the day where we didn't really overthink writing something or like having a specific like we gotta do this because we have this reason or something it's just like let's just write some fun music that we enjoy playing that's kind of a sin in the sentence and it really kind of struck a nerve with people Um, so we're just like yeah let's you know really enjoy you know making that record and playing those songs that were like, let's just take what we did on that record and just kind of build off of it and not do anything, you know, write like a, a ballad record or something like that. It's like a, a continuation of the sin the sentence, but without sounding like 2.0. I think it's, there's a lot of songs on there that you can hear like elements of previous records and early records that I think fans will pick up on um, but without it sounding like a copy of something like my, you know, something that oh, kind of reminds me of Shogun but it's like its own thing at, and at the same time so I think it just has a lot of tritium DNA from all our records kind of dabbled in there with a like you know kind of like a, a modern kind of like where we're at now without kind of being like a throwback record of course, of course. I got to also single out Alex, man, because uh, I don't know. You guys have had kind of a spinal tap thing with drummers, and now he's been in the band three years and just kills it on this record. He's, the drumming is so great on this record, man. Yeah, man. Uh, even the last record, like, it's just how he actually plays and approaches drums just really adds another layer of, you know, the creative process of just like, Writing, you know, writing the riffs and putting the songs together, and then just letting Alex put his stamp on it and have Alex be Alex. You know, that's just kind of how he plays. And playing with him so long, you kind of know like his uh, little signature things he does. He's playing, you're just like, yep, yep, there's a little Alex thing, you know, that he does. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really fun just kind of like, you know, writing the songs at home, you know, individually, like, you know, Matt Paul and I, you know, just like writing ideas at home and you know, we, we put like drum machine stuff you know on the demos to kind of give everyone like at least a general idea of like the, the idea of like if it's a fast song or if it's kind of doing this or that 
but Alex kind of like takes it and just kind of, you know, does his thing and takes, you know, kind of like, oh, this is a fast part. And he's just like, let Alex kind of unleash his, uh, his craziness on it. And then, uh, I just kind of let, let him do his thing. And he does a lot of stuff that it's like, there's no way like, you know, you'd sit at home and be able to think of that. <laughs> like, programming it on a computer. So it's like Alex just brings an extra level to the songs because he can add such a creative element to the to the music that uh it's always fun to see what kind of crazy shit he can come out with. And most of the time like you know we're in the studio watching him track the drums, it's like he'll do something where it's like everyone just starts laughing and we're just like, where the hell did he come up with that? So it's so it's, you know, ever since Alex has come in the band, he's definitely um his performances live or his performances on the record like have definitely been a uh, a highlight for a lot of people just because um, it's, it's just something special to watch and see what he does. Word. I'm going to shout out a track right now. Uh, Sickness Unto You is my favorite so far, and it's just so... The whole song is dope, but yeah, that's the song. I was listening to this. I listened to it a few times through, and it was like, I kept coming back to that song. I was like, oh my God, the drums on this are like some Gene Hoagland shit, seriously. Gene Hoagland is one of his uh, drum his you know, Mount Rushmore of drum influences. <laughs> so he's uh, definitely been influenced by a lot of his a lot of his style. So uh, that's definitely his. He always referenced, you know, like the like death. Um, like some of the stuff, like with death, like even though if the riff might not be that technical, the drumming just like you always think of like, oh, death is like this really technical band, but. Some of the guitar parts might not be that difficult to play, but like you add in the drums on top of it, and it just makes the whole composition seem like this technical masterpiece kind of um, that really kind of you know, the drums really kind of make it a, a, another level performance. So um, I think Alex does that because some of the stuff we like playing, at least to us, we don't think it's a it's like a pretty simple riff, and then but Alex unleashed some crazy drums on it, and it just kind of makes it a whole piece sound like, like there's crazy, crazy stuff going on. So, uh, um, so it's fun when we're just like, Hey, this part is so nuts. And then just kind of seeing what, what he does. And you know, definitely like a song like sickness on you. It's you know, a, a really fast song. So, uh, you know, he can definitely do all those shredding drum fills all over the place and last beats and all that stuff. So it's definitely the faster stuff is where he can really make the, those drums, those drums go go nuts, and uh, that was actually the first song for the record that he wrote. So that was kind of like our um, our song to kind of get the, uh, the the blood flowing. We wanted to do do, uh, do something fast and heavy. For the first song to kind of kind of set the bar. Uh, and that you did. Uh, and again, the whole record slaps, as the kids say. Uh, I appreciate you uh, sharing a little bit about the process. I was going to ask you personally, I, I get the sense from Matt being on Twitch all the time that he's just got a guitar in his hand all the time, as much as a, a new dad can. But do you do a lot of pre-production? Do you jam a lot? Do you write? Do you come in with like riffs or songs kind of already sketched out? Or is that just like you guys get together and that's how you put it to, put songs together? I'm always doing the kind of like a game plan. Um, we have the ideas to, to start the song, but, uh, yeah, it's like we all make demos, write songs or riffs or, or whatever and record them at home. And then we have like a, an album, like Dropbox 
that everyone's attached to. So, like, when you get ideas or have, like, a new song demo, you just drop it in there, and then everyone can just, like, listen to it on their own time. And then, uh, then with this record, we each kind of, like, we kind of knew how many songs we wanted to have on the record. We didn't want to do, like, a crazy amount. So we were just like, oh, it's just the ninth record. Let's do nine songs. Like, all right, that's cool. So the three of us uh, picked two two song ideas that we had. And then, you know, we kind of had, like, a main idea of, like, the main riff or, like, a couple parts or something. And we always had something to start off with. And, um, and then a lot of times with a lot of the songs, like, we'll have a full demo idea, but then when we get in the room, like, we throw out new ideas, we'll jam something, and something might not feel natural, and then we'll just write stuff on the spot. And, uh, like, Sick This Unto You, um, we started that song off, and, uh, the intro that became the chorus, that was, like, like literally written in the moment in the jam room, um, so, like, stuff like that where it's just kind of like, oh, we need a part, and then just someone will just, like, start, like, right on, like, just on the spot, and be like, oh, that sounds cool, let's run with that, and then the vocals come, and stuff like that, and, you know, it's just, it's really cool to see, like, when we get in, in, in person and bounce ideas off each other, like, a lot of really cool stuff that becomes, like, highlights of a song or highlights on the record where, they wouldn't have happened if we you know, didn't get in a room together and play. And I think that's what a lot of bands don't realize. You know, because a lot of bands you see, like they write on the laptops and record, and they never actually get in a room and play the songs before they record them. And uh, I think that's that's something that we've done before that did not work out very well for us, or at least we feel like the songs could have been better or felt more natural because kind of weed out parts that might sound cool when you're playing it on your computer, but when you get in a room and start playing it as a group, it might not, might seem a little forced or it doesn't work that well. And uh, that's why we like the, the garage band approach of just getting in, and feeling the songs out together and end up writing stuff that, as a group, that we wouldn't be able to write on our own. Like, it's a very, kind of come up with, like, kind of some different stuff when everyone's kind of throwing their, kind of ideas in there and like stick us on view like the weird part after the, the fast middle section where it gets all this like weird ass drumming and stuff like that riff is just like written like on the spot uh, between the three of us kind of like making a riff up as a, as a collective group and then just being like hey Alex you should do some weird drumming kind of influence thing on there and like kind of came up with like a cool part like as a group in the moment that wouldn't have happened if we took that element of performing as a group out of the picture. Nice, man. Thanks for sharing all that. I really appreciate it. I just got a couple more for you, man, as we wind this down and I give you back your uh, your day. Um, hopefully, we're going to get through this craziness and we get the Megadeth Lamb of God tour, assuming we will. Uh, what a great package that is. Kind of, you know, very, you know, you know, Trivium is now a veteran band. You know, it was a, I remember early in the days when you guys were the new band and everybody was losing their shit. Like now you guys are, all, you know, at the level of like you're with Lamb of God who are peers. You're with on the same stage as Megadeth. Like that's got to be very gratifying. I know you guys are humongous fans. Yeah, uh, it's, it's really cool. You know, and the fun thing is like Megadeth, Lamb of God and Trivium, we're all in the same management company. So we all have a, 
a close kind of ties together. And all the bands on the tour, like we toured In Flames back in the day a bunch. We toured Lord of God. Um, with stuff with like Megadeth shows, like everyone knows each other because you know, we've all been around for a good amount of time and done all the same festivals and tours together. So um, it's, it's a really cool, really cool package. Um, even we've been about, we've known about it for months before it was announced, and it's just so hard to like bite your tongue and not be able to say anything just because you're just excited. You know, we haven't. I think it's even more exciting for us because we have been touring a whole lot in the last year. So uh, to to be uh, off tour for so long and then this being like our first thing back for a new record is it's really exciting. We haven't had like a big um, a big tour package like supporting um, in, in years in America or North America. Um, so it's gonna be fun to uh, you know we've definitely built up. Our fan base, because our last couple of tours we've done headlining in North America have been some of our biggest tours we've done done here. So we've definitely kind of, over the last couple of years, have really had a, a spike in uh, you know, our popularity. And uh, to go out with these fans and, and hopefully get in front of a lot of new people um, that maybe never have seen us perform live before. It's a really good opportunity to... Uh, kind of get our, our new record out there. So uh, we're really excited to uh, play these shows. And um, so far, like, the, uh, now we knew fans would be really excited um, of the package because all the bands are such big names um, that uh, it's definitely shown because the ticket sales have been, you know, been pretty, pretty awesome. So I'm, I'm really excited to get on the tour and I hope this damn virus doesn't, uh, doesn't ruin, ruin it. So hopefully, uh, Hopefully it clears, clears out in the next, you know, weeks or months or whatever it is, and we can get back to enjoying, uh, getting, getting back out there in large crowds and being able to enjoy some music. Oh, we're going to need it, man. And I will say that my very first uh, live experience ever seeing Trivium was OzFest 2005 with In Flames on the side stage with you. Actually, that, that OzFest In Flames is, uh, they're on the main stage. Oh, were they? Oh, okay. The main stage. I think it was Jersey and they may have switched some of the bands around, but I definitely remember you guys killed it, played really early in the day and uh, was really hot in uh, the PNC Bank Arts Center, which I believe is also on this upcoming tour. I think uh, the second stage was in the parking lot. You guys were pretty brand new at the time or new to us and uh, it was pretty raging. Any uh, kind of, you know, Ascendancy just turned 15 the other day. Any kind of final Ascendancy thoughts. Uh, Fifteen years later, man, it's got to be you know a, a mind trip a little. Yes, yeah, it's, it's you well, know, it's wild. Um, doesn't seem like that long ago, I guess. But uh, you know, it's definitely was a big. But that was our big. You know, we had you know, first record with Roadrunner, and you know, for being you know, making that record, and you know, we were. We were you know, playing places that you're old enough to, to be in, you know, because I'm playing like 21 and up bars when you're like 1920s, you know, definitely a trip. But, uh, you know, we just kind of made a record in our, our storage facility, you know, down here and had no, really no fans. So we were just kind of like having fun. That would get done classes in high school and we'd just go, so jam and write songs and you know, that's how we made that record was just kind of had nothing else to do but just kind of kind of play and 
ended up being something that really struck a nerve. And uh, it was just like a trip, you know, because we were just kind of like, oh, it's cool. We get to tour and, you know, make music. And we didn't really, uh, really, I guess, notice any difference until by the first time we went to the UK. And we'd never, obviously never been there before. And we've been touring America, and no one really knew who we were. And it was just kind of like, yeah, I was enjoying playing music. And we went over there, and we actually had fans. People were like freaking out. We're like, oh, damn. Like, this is, what the hell is going on? This is different. And it just became like this big phenomenon over in, in England and became a big thing. And really, you know, it was insane to you know, go from like nothing, playing in, like touring in a van, playing bars in America, and then we're like headlining playing in front of like 4,000 people in London, you know, like a couple months later, it's just like, it was a pretty, pretty trippy experience. And, uh, it's, it's great that, you know, record really kind of launched our career and, uh, to have it be like a significant record with fans that just kind of really like left a mark on them. It's, it's amazing to have maybe something that really has a lasting effect on people. And, you know, just, Standing here doing the interview, I got like, you know, gold records on the wall of that record from back in the day. You know, people really love that record. And um, there's nice to be uh, a band that has had a record that's had a cultural impact on people. You know, even in America, after we did Ozfest, and that record sold like gangbusters for a while. Um, so it really definitely lost our career. And fortunate enough that it, you know, led us to be able to continue making records and uh, there was a lot of bands from when we came out that only lasted one or two records and then label label dropped them so it's like you know, we're still on the same record label ever since and having that record really gave us uh, the opportunity to have a, a longevity of our career so we always hold that record as a, a big moment for our lives and thankful that uh, you know people enjoyed the music so much Awesome, man. Uh, congrats on everything. Trivium's new record, What the Dead Men Say, is out April 24th on Roadrunner. Corey, it is always a distinct pleasure to talk to you. We've gotten a hang over the years. I hope to see you soon on tour. I hope this all clears up soon and we get back to kicking ass and doing what you do, man. Thank you. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.